The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Former Thieshook Bertie Hearn, good morning and welcome. Good morning, Pat. Um, now, let's talk about the breaking news in the last 24 hours the, the protocol. The suggestion is the deal's been done and now it's a question of selling the deal to the relevant parties, although the, the Thornish uh, Michal Martin says there's a, there's a distance to go. What's your take? Yeah, I was up north yesterday as I've been every week since the start of the year and uh, I, I think it's getting near the end game where the end game being where the European Union and the British government will put forward their proposals and deal with most of the the issues. Um, I'm delighted that Rishi Sunak is in the North today because one of the fears was that the parties felt they hadn't been briefed, they hadn't been given the details um, and they had several questions. So I, th- I think the useful thing about today is he will hear their viewers as well as the other way around. And in the weekend talks, he'd be able to reflect on those because there's still a number of issues that I think they will be pressing hard on. There is, you know, the monitoring points. Where are the monitoring points going to be? And um, the democratic deficit, which is a big thing with the all the unionist parties, uh, that is where because they've no MPs. Uh, in Brussels that there are going to be feisted um, legislation and directives that they've no say in. So that's a big issue with them. What's in the political declaration? Will the protocol, will the, the sea border be gone? I think it, it will. Will the red and green lanes be satisfactory? I think it will. But the identity issues, how Sunak handles that and what's in mm. the political declaration, I think they're the big issues. Also, there is the question of who adjudicates when there's a row. Yeah, I, to, to be honest, Pat, I, I detect that that's not as big an issue. Uh, it's not one of the seven points that were put forward, funnily enough. There, if you look back in a historic period, there's only you know very few cases that would ever get to, to the European Court of Justice. Within the protocol, there's arbitration mechanisms the Northern Courts might have a role. So I, 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 I do not think that will, even though I know that Lord Dodds made a, a point about it yesterday, mm. but I don't think it's the biggest issue. All right. Now, uh, the the question is that the DUP, um, the rank and file, and many, of course, the, the of the DUP members or voters would be farmers in whose interest it is to get this sorted out so they can uh, trade as they used to when they were in the single market. Um, but there are others in the DUP who can't see the political advantage of, um, you know, bending the knee to this particular agreement? Yeah, I, I think, and there are those who who don't agree with the Good Friday Agreement in the first place, uh, and didn't at the time. And, and we we remember. We we'll talk about that in yeah, a few minutes. So, 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 so that, so that's it. That's an issue. Though I think the business, the the DUP have a, a, a strong business lobby now, which they wouldn't have had in the past. And a lot of voters that are business people, the farming people, which were always the backbone of the Paisley vote back mm-hmm. in the in the day. Um, so I, I think they will be very much for this this deal uh, if they can d- get over. The, the identity issue. When you talk to people in unions, and I have for, for weeks and ends and years and ends, they, they, they will say they can live with all of these things, but is their identity being in some way diminished? I don't think it is. The Good Friday Agreement, the principle of consent is the final arbitrator in mm. all of this. So it shouldn't be yeah. the, the issue that they it, make it, of it. It strikes me that for Jeffrey Donaldson to um, agree to this or with all his acolytes to, to get it across the line and then they're hanging around for the 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, which is the subject of your, your podcast, um, 
and they they're in the I know they're you know supposed to be equal offices first minister and deputy first minister but they're perceived to be in ranking order the first minister is first the deputy first minister is second and you'd have Jeffrey there as deputy first minister at the time of this anniversary of an agreement they didn't agree with in the first place. Yeah, I, I'm not sure it'll all be wrapped up before the anniversary, Pat. I, I think one way or the other, even if things all fall into place next week, before things like the budgetary position, because there is a big deficit and, and there'll be other things, there need to be a bit of a renewal for the, for the parties. I suppose the point you made is that I worry that the officers of the DUP are mainly Westminster-based MPs um, I, I'm not saying they don't care about what happens in the assembly, but they live in another world. It might be, it might not be their priority. But I, I think the first minister, deputy first minister, Jeffrey has bought into that. I, I, the argument about that is that their very name um, is the Democratic Party, Democratic Unionist Party. So you can't be democratic and disagree with that. Anyway, the first minister, deputy first ministers are the one post, and we shouldn't be having that debate at all. Now um, you've been in the news of late, of course, because you uh, rejoined Fianna Fáil. Why? Well, I mean, you're now an elder statesman. You don't have to be a member of a party. No, but I've, 41 years I was in the party, Pat, um, in Drumcondra. All I've done is rejoined that, that, that coming and that group. And um, even for the years I've been out, uh, I continually met them nearly once a month socially if I didn't meet them more often than that. Um, it, during the anniversaries, we had an ad hoc committee where we ran really good anniversaries around the, the various 1915 to um, 1916 uh, and a few of the other events. So um, all I'm doing is rejoining them. Um, like so everything Are you saying that the only difference is that you're paying a sub now? <laughs> yeah, I'm paying me 20 quid. <laughs> but, I mean, but you were active really with uh, that cohort of I, people. I, I, I continue to help them and, and to be involved with them. And, you know, they're, unfortunately, um, even, even though be, before Christmas, somebody ran the, the story that I was, all my, my colleagues were out um, checking out to see if, if what would the presidency run be like. Uh, it, it must have been marching up Kynes, Crane the Killer. Uh, where they were all in the in the graveyard talking because unfortunately and regrettably and sadly um, most of my main crew that would have been with me over the years have gone to their eternal reward so I think that was just a bit of you know We used to have Paddy Duffy in here Paddy, Paddy, Paddy Duffy Chris Wall Tony Kett uh, all of the guys who were associated with me very very closely you know Brian Bogle they're, they're, they're all gone But it's important for you to have the recognition of being a party member Yeah Yeah Listen, I, I was born into it, spent 40 years of my life in it. Uh, we'll die in it, hopefully not too soon. Um, but, you know, you know they, they, these are my buddies. A lot of them, I, I've, I joined up and started working with these guys, putting up posters and doing yeah. things when we were about 10 years of age. Yeah. Our primary teacher ran as a candidate for Fianna Fáil in the early 60s. So, you know, this has been yeah. my life. And, you know, uh, all I did was join the local common. I didn't yeah. take over as teacher or anything. <laughs> did you feel bereft when you were outside the party? Um, it felt a bit strange, you know. It felt a bit strange when it came to the Ardesh or it came to some conference that uh, you didn't get any invitation. Now, it, it's, it's not. I probably spend more of my life talking at those conferences. I didn't really, I don't want to return to any of that, but you you do miss the the the, the social end of it. And to to be honest, to be totally honest, a lot of my friends, including the ones who are gone, passionately wanted to see me back. 
So you, you feel a certain guilt that you, you should honour okay. what they want now, to do. Now we all remember the circumstances uh, under which you left the party and th- that brings me to what has resurfaced, something that had been fading in the public memory, the Mahon Tribunal, uh, which, you know, didn't believe your testimony. And as I say, it was fading, but it's back, you know, very much in public discourse now. Yeah, yeah, which, which you know, is, is, is par-, par for the course because, you know, I didn't link the, the, the president to, to join in a common. Um, I, I think that's the presidency is, is for another day. Um, you, know, you know, I'm on the Council of State now for nearly 26 years. Uh, my job on that is if and when the president asks for advice is, is that we give it usually on controversial legislation. Um, it, we've had a tradition here in this country that the presidency only arises within three months of the election. Um, I've been a former director of elections for presidential elections, uh, not successfully, unfortunately. Um, and I've been involved in as Tisha and Mary McAleese campaign. So you know that 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 is 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 for another day. But you haven't ruled it out. No, but it, but it, it's not an issue with me. The only thing's important to me now, Pat, and what I've been dedicating all my time um, involved in Queens. I'm I, I, I honorary professor in Queens of, of the George Mitchett School and because George hasn't been able to travel I've been doing a huge amount of work in Queens and um, I, I passionately want to see the institutions of Good Friday Agreement. Yeah. But, I, but that's not, if you like I'm, that's part of your legacy which yeah, is I'm a very remotely, serious legacy. Yeah, I'm not remotely worried about the other things. Yeah. That this no thing. but the, what, I, what I'm saying is that if you were to run for the presidency and, and uh, you know they are bruising campaigns <laughs> they're controversial campaigns as I yeah. know only too well yeah. um, you know the the Man Tribunal will be up for sh- discussion sh- it, should you decide to go and you will be questioned on it in a way that maybe you don't like to be questioned. Yeah, well, listen, it, 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 you're, it's thrown at you anyway, Pat. But it, it, I assure you this, Pat, there should be no connection between me rejoining one of the 3,000 comments um, in Drunkandra because it was always there and affiliated with and what might happen in the future. Uh, at this stage, I have n- no... Um, thoughts about the, the next presidential election. But you're not rooting it out? I, I'm not rooting it because I don't think the issue should be even discussed at this stage. I, I think in, in fairness to the president who's doing an excellent job, who's my total support, who I've worked with on the mm-hmm. Council of State, um, we, this issue should not... And when it, when it does come up if you in somewhere in the middle of 2025, everybody then who's in interest will have to express it. And whether I have or not then... God knows, but it's mm. it's not. But so. it is coming because the the president can't run for a third term. So you know, yeah, there will, will be a new president. It, it will come up in twenty twenty five, and I'm sure there'll be loads of candidates, from what I hear. Uh, and whether I'll even think about it, uh, I'll certainly. If if I think about it, you'll hear about it. And if I don't, it'll yeah. just be. But part you of haven't history. discussed it with Michal Martin, or I've have discussed you? it with nobody? And it, 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 it was I haven't discussed it with my best friends because it, it it's mm. not something on my on my agenda now. It's not something that I even think about yeah. and I just now, the reason I brought alive. up the Man Tribunal is it would be at the heart of all those debates oh, it, it, I've chaired those debates and I know how how down and dirty they get yeah, yeah listen listen they, they I have no doubt they'll throw things and listen the commentary comes up and, and the commentary I man didn't have any findings against me but they did say I, they didn't accept the, the truth and all as I'd wish that some of the people who comment on this would also go on to say that some of my friends who have said were untruthful went to the courts, won their case. They they might they might update their their their, their old file when they're doing these things. Well, I, I'm not going to rehearse the whole Man Tribunal thing <laughs> again. That is perhaps for another presidential day. We shall see. But I want to talk to you about this podcast, which is quite remarkable. It's a nine-parter. 
And you have spoken to pretty much all of the people who survive. I mean, obviously, John and Pat Hume are not around anymore. David Trimble, not around anymore. Ian Paisley was not part of the actual agreement, but was very much part of the action. And, and they are no longer with us. Yeah, but we went to we got, we got Peter Robinson uh, to explain their thinking of that time, which I think is really good. Um, where this came about, Pat was was uh, news talk. Patricia Monaghan, the managing director, came to me back in 2019 and said, "Wouldn't this be really a good project uh, to do to to go back and talk to all the main players uh, and to." Uh, go out and, and see if, if we could get them to participate. Um, we, we set out a, a template and a plan to do that, to, to do a, a really good um, podcast. And then, of course, COVID came, So, but that didn't stop us in the planning stage. And then last year, we went out to, to guess, you know, 2030 of the main players and to talk to them all. You know, the people people know, well, Bill Clinton and, and Tony Blair gave extensive uh, inputs into it. George Mitchell, even though he hasn't been been well. He he gave us a huge amount of his time, and Mark Simpson and 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 Sandra Honan and you know Rory Walsh and the Sounds and Jessica and all of the others. They we we put a huge amount of effort, uh, and and this station, in fairness to them, uh, gave huge resources because we had to go north, south, east, west, yeah. um, to 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 get people. I mean, Jessica is a young woman. She does our technical stuff every Tuesday on the program, and Jessica realised that she herself didn't know. Uh, because she's young, she yeah. didn't know enough about our own history, our relatively recent history, and was curious. And it, this is really at the heart of all of this. It's yeah. for her generation to understand. Yeah, what we, we tried to do, Pat, we, we started off saying this will renew in the minds of all the people who remember it and just give them detail they never would have really heard. And then we realised that it was on the curriculum uh, for leaving their kids. Um, so uh, we went to a, a school where, where grandkids were, but but they they weren't in Leaving Cert. So um, and we talked to Leaving Cert, and then we realised there's a whole generation who hear the Good Friday because of Brexit, and they hear the Good Friday Agreement mentioned nearly every day in some context, but they didn't know yeah. much about it. So you know what we've tried to do is to get all the players, loyalists, unionists, nationalists, republicans, you know, to give. You know what their thinking was and where it was. So I, I hope, I hope people see it. But I, I think for history, um, there will be fifty or sixty hours of of tape that will be there of of, of people. Yeah. And I, I think mean, it'll, it'll be, be distilled into nine hours for it, the it, listeners it, for the podcast. The short, into the short versions of, of it is. But I've I've listened to four or five of them now, and I. I I must say, I think it's 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 really good. To give people a sample, uh, we're going to hear Bill Clinton uh, talking to you in the podcast about why he issued Jerry Adams a visa. He couldn't get into the United States before that. He was a bit of a, a pariah in uh, political terms. But this, actually, as it turned out, was a key moment in the peace process. I promised when I ran for president, I would seriously consider a visa for Jerry Adams. People thought it was just politics with the Irish community in New York. But it was more than that. I I realized that the size of the American diaspora and the level of investment we had in the North were so significant that we might be able to really make a difference. So I had turned down a visa for Jerry Adams in my first year in office. But by the beginning of the second year, I was convinced that we had to do something like that to try to rope Sinn Féin in, because if they weren't really for some sort of agreement, we were never going to get it. John Hume told me he thought I ought to do it. The then Taoiseach, Albert Reynolds, thought I should do it. 
But a lot of Americans didn't want me to do it, including the Irish American Speaker of the House, Tom Foley, and more importantly, the entire State Department was in a panic that I would do this and destroy the special relationship with England. The British press was full of stories saying (laughs) that I was just doing it to get back on John Major. I knew that we had to do something to get this process off the dime. And I give John Major a lot of credit for starting those talks in December of 92, before I took office. Then you became Taoiseach and Tony Blair became prime minister. There had been real progress in communications between the Irish nationalists and the Republicans. So I began to think we could get something done, but it was rocky in the beginning. And that's Bill Clinton explaining uh, why he gave uh, Jerry Adams the visa to try and uh, break a bit of a logjam that was happening there. Now, it's interesting, um, you had uh, that special relationship between John Major and Albert Reynolds and you and Tony Blair had a special relationship. Yeah, I I think we we followed on. I mean, um, uh, Albert, who is eternal credit, but he he and John Major did the Downstreet Declaration of December 93. uh, And that did kind of form the the basis of of where we went after that, you know, through the ceasefires and the ups and downs and, you know, into into the Good Friday Agreement talk. So I I think in the podcast, you know, people would be able to, to track um, the thinking of all sides. Uh, I think Tony Blair and, and George Mitchell gives a very, um, Tony gives the British side of this. George Mitchell gives what it was like to chair talks and um, the problems he had to, to, to even get into the chair because it was a big row yeah. he spent. He had to take a whole shower of abuse even though he was one of the most senior people in, in Capitol Hill. So, uh, and then very importantly, what I spoke to Gary McMichael whose father was shot by the IRA who became the leader of the UDP uh, and Don Portis who worked with Davy Irvine. So, you know, we, we, we got the, the key people of, of loyalism at that time as well. Now, uh, most famously, I suppose, you were... Um bereaved at that time. Your mother died and um, you didn't take your foot off the pedal. You came back to Dublin for uh, her funeral and then back right uh, into the, the, the throes of yeah, it. Yeah, it was a tough week, but to, to, to be honest, uh, Pat, there was no alternative, so we, 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 mm. we had to keep going. Uh, and, and, you know, my abiding memory of, of, of that week uh, is not just about about my mother, but but how all the parties you know stuck through it. Very very little sleep, um, but by anybody, and you know fierce pressure on people. Uh, David Trimble was under horrendous pressure. Um, some of his people walking out trying to carry his party. Um, uh, John Hume and Seamus Mallon uh, literally crying. Um, when we got to the stage of getting the institutions agreed, the executive uh, and the north-south bodies. Uh, So, you know, and I think they're all reflected. And there was a very good um, interview with with, um, John Hume's son who explains, which I didn't know, uh, who explains the, the journey his father took with the IRA when he was trying to convince yeah. the IRA. This I remember the, the that odium that was... Terrible, he, terrible abuse. Uh, he took terrible abuse and in a sense when you look back at it historically it may have really ruined his party in terms of the massive electoral support they used to have but it was a risk he took for peace and he got odium heaped upon his head. Yeah and one of the things that his son says in the in the interview and people listen to it closely um, there started his ill health um, which I wasn't aware of but he, he gives an account um, of of how the, the those talks with the IRA and the risky talk he, he literally went off with the IRA on his own 
um, yeah. and travelled around for 24 hours uh, to sit down with the Army Council to try to, te- to, te- to teach them his version of how we saw things move forward. And, and this is the same idea that he had from 1969, from the civil rights marches, he believed there was a peaceful way of getting what the nationalist community wanted. And in in fairness to John Hume, nobody can ever accuse him of not being consistent. He was saying the same things in in those peace uh, civil rights marches uh, back in in 69 as as he was in in the end. And, you know, when his health wasn't as good, he used to ring me many days and it would always be the same version of events. Yeah. I mean, he, he was just bedded and wedded to, to that view. It's interesting when we're looking at uh, the protocol and the tortuous negotiations uh, post-Brexit. When I was looking back last night on the, the, the whole history of the agreement, and it goes back uh, to 1988 when um, Sinn Féin released their uh, kind of scenario for peace. Uh, they made, IRA made unrealistic demands, withdrawal of Britain from Northern Ireland, disbandment of the RUC, release of political prisoners, economic support from Britain to harmonise the process of reunification, which simply wasn't on, but it showed a willingness at that time, eight, 1988, 10 years yeah. before the agreement, that they realised perhaps that the, the so-called war was unwinnable. Yeah, I, and I, I, I think the, you know, People like Father Alex Reed, who has who, also left us, um, they were an influence and factor tr- throughout. And I think through the podcast, one of the, it's for me, you're going back over 25 years and going through the talks, but you're not only picking up what happened in that period, you're picking up the, the movement that people had yeah. made from earlier times. And I, I think it's, 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 you can see, like, Let's take Gary McMichael. Gary McMichael's father, who was shot by the IRA, as I said a minute ago, but his father was one of the people within the loyalist community that was arguing that there had to be a new way forward yeah. and that they'd have to find a solution. So it, I think what we, we've managed to do is, is to track that 10, 10 years and, you know, how, how people were changing their their views yeah. away from the war. It's interesting. The There's a, the man many people have forgotten, uh, but we, those of us old enough will remember Peter Brook, the Northern Secretary, who famously sang Mac the Knife on the Late Late Show on the very day in which terrible atrocities had been committed uh, by the IRA. But he said in 1990 that Britain had no selfish, strategic or economic interest in remaining in Northern Ireland. That was that was a key moment. I remember it vividly. It was it was absolutely a key moment because it was there that people saw that there might be another way of negotiating this, and you know the principle of consent came in later on, which became really why the, the Good Friday Agreement was you know succeeded because it, it was. The no, no decision can be made except the people of Northern Ireland made that decision and people of South of Ireland obviously have a say too. But I think the people in the North know that that is their protection. And that all came from that earlier period yeah. of, 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 of Brook. I think one, one thing I'd like to mention about because I had agreed to, to interview uh, David Trimble and on my last meeting with David Trimble, when he was very poor, and his his wife Daphne, who is a very good friends of mine now, they they he he would have liked to participate in it, but he he couldn't. He he died just a few weeks after we we had discussed it. But he he did make sometimes people didn't love David Trimble, but he made huge decisions um, that ultimately allowed us to make the agreement. And then um, I, I I think people 
you know, should should always remember that because uh, it, 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 he's gone and as, as others have gone, but he did play a big role in the whole yeah. process. Now, you refer to Oma as well, which happened after that. Uh, and this was another uh, paramilitary organisation which committed the biggest atrocity of the Troubles. Yeah, and I, I think Oma... You know, on August 15th, um, just a few months after the, the signing of the Good Friday Agreement, it could have derailed us totally. Um, there was a possibility uh, that that could have led to, to, to the violence. The Lilas didn't respond to that, luckily enough. Um, and I, I think it's the real IRA were responsible for a ter- terrible atrocity and um i i think we we've we've covered the, the ground about and i think particularly um bill clinton's role in coming over that time so so did tony blair we a week later we were all back and um, but that was a crucial crucial time in not allowing us to slip down the uh, the, the violent road again. Well, uh, you have so many people who contributed to the podcast. Tony Blair, Bill Clinton, George Mitchell, Peter Robinson of the DUP, um, Gary McMichael, you mentioned, Jerry Kelly of uh, Sinn Féin, um, so many more. Yeah, and, 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 and Jerry Kelly, I think, is a very good insight. Jer- Jerry was a, a person who you know, had been involved and a, a key person in, in, in Sinn Féin, um, had, had been v- very much involved in the, in, in the whole uh, troubles and, and struggles and you know had been on the run I think he gives a very good account of, of the movement that we made and He I was one he, of the jailbreakers Yeah and he, and he gave a lot of credit I think to the change that happened uh, when Tony Blair came in and uh, it, it's, it's an interesting piece of, of how things had moved and thinking had moved within Sinn Féin um, after the change of government it's interesting that after all of that, in 1998, the agreement the, was was made, the institutions were designed um, and the, the whole dehaunt mechanism of electing people. Um, a question for one of the listeners. Can you ask Bertie if it's time to move on from power sharing and have normal democratic elections for the Assembly? This morning, Sammy Wilson spoke against possible solutions as they're not democratic, EU rules, etc. Yet he omits to note that Northern Ireland voted against Brexit and he's preventing any form of democracy while the Assembly is not sitting. So normal politics in Northern Ireland, I mean, the whole idea of the Dehant mechanism was there would be representation in government, not just in the House, but in government for, for every side. Yeah, listen, I, I would have thought if, if, if I was here 25 years ago, I would have said that somewhere in the next 10 or 15 years, we should get to normal politics where you'd have kind of government opposition, you know, the executive and there would be opposition to that. Unfortunately, uh, Pat, uh, I, and I wish this was otherwise, we're not at that stage yet. Um, I think as long as you've crossed community consent uh, and everything has to be done that way, you need everybody in and there's no possibility. I know some people listening might say, is it not time to get rid of cross-community consent? Well, it's it's no whether I agree with that or not. It's not going to happen because you won't get agreement on it. Uh, so cross community consent means every decision has to be agreed by effectively everybody. So yeah. it's better to have an inclusive executive working. Um, and it's not like we'd have in all Aaron, but um, until we have a, a, a prolonged period of stability, whatever prolonged means, but certainly several years, um, we're, we're not in a position where we can do that. Okay, someone's correcting me, and quite rightly, Peter Brook saying, "Oh, my darling Clementine." Not yeah, yeah but, but, but on, on, it, it equally was, inappropriate. It, it wasn't his best night, but but he, he he did make a lot of progress in his time. 
Bertie Hearn, the podcast uh, which is going to launch on February the 23rd on all streaming platforms is called As I Remember It. And uh, for more information on this, you can check out newstalk.com forward slash good dash Friday dash agreement. The first three will drop next week and then every Thursday for the following weeks yeah, it'll uh, you'll be get three, three more. Three, three weeks of, 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 three, of three sessions. So, uh, and I, I think the Mark Simpson's the producer has tried to put them in a, in a way that, that follows um, in, in very you know, good logistical order. Yeah, the, because the the the, uh, the different the narrative is told in the different episodes. The path to peace is episode one. Uh, Democracy works is episode two. Senator George Mitchell explaining the format for the talks. Finding way forward with Gary McMichael and Dermot Nesbitt and Lord uh, Alderdice and more. The hand of history has got to be Tony Blair uh, talking there. And episodes five and six will focus on the talks themselves, who got kicked out, and all the drama attached to the the talks uh, episode 7 will focus on the referendum passed by what 71% when you take the the 70% in the north in 90 five or six down here. So. Yeah. Uh, that, and the Oma bombing in there and then Bill Clinton's uh, interview and then the legacy finally in uh, Chapter 9 in the ninth edition of the podcast The Legacy of the Good Friday Agreement which as we've been speaking this morning is uh, still unfolding. Anyway uh, Bertie Ahern, former Taoiseach, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.